I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. One Labor Day when I was in my early 20s, I spent an entire morning driving around the outskirts of Nashville, Tennessee. I was trying to find the airport after spending the holiday weekend with some friends in western Kentucky. Needless to say, this was before GPS, long before GPS. I had a map, but I am horrible with maps. I am also proud and don't always find it easy to ask for help. Did I mention that I am horrible with maps? I tried following those road signs, you know, the ones, the, the ones with the little planes on them that point you towards the airport. I tried to follow these, but to no avail. A sign would appear on the side of the road and I'd think, yes, victory is mine. And I'd drive off in the direction of the sign for a few miles only to discover that I was now on a completely different interstate. I must have circled the city three or four times until finally, worried I was going to miss my flight, I did the sensible thing, the thing most people would have done right from the start. I stopped at a gas station to ask for directions. A kind soul who overheard me talking with the cashier happened to be heading the same way I needed to go and agreed to let me follow her. We'd have to hurry, but there was still time, she said, for me to get back on track. The people in our reading from Deuteronomy this morning obviously aren't in danger of missing a flight. They do, however, need some help getting back on track. The ancient Hebrews have been journeying through the wilderness for longer than anyone can remember. They have taken lots of wrong turns, and not only in a geographical sense. Most of their wanderings, in fact, have been wanderings of the heart, dislocations of the spirit. Once, you may recall, when their leader, Moses, leaves them to go for a few days up to spend some time with God on Mount Sinai, the people get super anxious and try to soothe their frazzled nerves by partying like it's 1999 B.C. When Moses returns, everybody's down there in the valley gyrating on the dance floor. Right in the middle of all the action underneath the disco ball is a golden calf fashioned out of the melted down rings all the newly engaged girls in the crowd don't like but have had to wear because they belonged to their fiancé's great-grandmothers. The whole scene, the whole thing is this veritable carnival of unfaithfulness. The people move on from it eventually with God's help. But the temptation to make idols, the temptation to put in the place of God something that is not God, 
the temptation to make idols remain strong. Sometimes, many times, they cannot resist it. Which brings us to this morning's reading. At first glance, the 30th chapter of Deuteronomy appears to be addressed to these same folks who danced around that golden calf. Most biblical scholars believe, though, that it was actually, this 30th chapter of Leviticus, it was actually composed for a later generation whose capacity to stray from God's path rivals, perhaps even exceeds, those of their forebears, so much so that it lands them in exile. How can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land. God's people wonder as they lament this latest wrong turn. How do we continue as God's people having messed up so badly? How can we go on living in such anguish and turmoil? Is there any hope for the future or should we just give up completely? To which the reply comes in this morning's reading from Deuteronomy, the reply comes, heck no, heck no. That's verse 19. A more literal, a more literal translation would read, I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. Or, as I said, heck no, heck no, don't give up. God's offering you another chance. Which is just incredible, really, if you stop to think about it. I mean, here the ancient Hebrews are having strayed from God's path again and again and again. They've had more chances given to them than little bunny foo-foo. And still, they keep getting it wrong. And yet here they are being given another opportunity, still another opportunity to change course and to follow the path of light and life. Why? Not because of any merit on their part, but because of God. Because of God and God's relentless love. It's hard to imagine a more hopeful story for us today. It's hard to imagine, I think, a more hopeful story for us today. Hopeful because it reminds us that our past need not determine our future and that our God is a God of second and third and fourth and 400th chances. It's hard to imagine a more hopeful story for us, and yet it's hard also to imagine a more challenging one. Because the reality, the reality is that choosing life is not always easy as it might seem. Indeed, in my experience at least, what is actually quite simple, frighteningly simple, is mistaking the ways of death 
for the ways of life. Mistaking the ways of death for the ways of life. Thinking that you have found God only to realize you're worshiping an idol. Maybe not one in the form of a golden calf, but an idol nonetheless. In 1969, after the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Wilmington, North Carolina erupted in violence, as did so many cities in our country. Snipers there ran around shooting at random and stores in poor black neighborhoods burned. In the midst of all the pain, horror, and confusion of this time, local television crews interviewed the chair of the local board of county commissioners. Dr. Hooper, they asked, what have you learned from these terrible, tragic events? What have you learned? To which Dr. Hooper responded without hesitation, I have learned that the county needs to buy six more riot guns. It is not always immediately clear, especially in times of trial, which paths will move us towards life and which paths will prove to be just another wrong turn, a move in the direction of death. It's not immediately clear which paths lead towards life and which paths lead towards death. And yet, and yet, the author of Deuteronomy reassures us in a verse that falls immediately before the passage we've heard this morning. The author of Deuteronomy reassures God's people, and that includes all of us, that we can find our way. The word is very near you, he says. It is in your heart and in your mouth so that you can do it. The word is very near you. It is in your heart and in your mouth so that you can do it. In essence, you know the road, beloved. You know the road. You know it in your heart when you wake up in the middle of the night wondering what on earth is going to become of this nation and of our planet. So why not just squeeze what you can out of life, pursuing money and power and your own pleasure above all else? And this goes through your mind, but then almost in rhythm with the beating of your heart comes the echo of these ancient words. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. You can feel this in your heart when you get still enough to pay attention. 
You can feel it on your lips, too, as you pass by the man on the street corner near your office, the one hunched over the cart full of dirty clothes and empty soda cans, the one who, whenever you see him, you find yourself against your will, oftentimes making a bunch of assumptions, things like, oh, if only he'd get a job or get a shower or get off drugs. And yet interspersed with these thoughts is a sentence you first heard in Sunday school so many years ago. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. All of which makes for a very difficult path to trod, this path down which God calls us. It is a bumpy path, a narrow path, a path filled with lots of twists and what may often appear at first to be dead ends. But it is the path that leads us home. And it is never too late to get on it, not even after you've made a million wrong turns. Amen. <laughs>